Blog Talk Radio. On a mountain, in the valley, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being, I beheld only God. Like a candle, I melted. Amidst the sparks of the flame, I beheld only God. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Walk Talk Radio. This is Mara. Brian is on the other line. Good morning, Brian, and thank you all for joining us, and thank you, Brian, for joining us. Hello, listeners. Hello, Marja. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We're here only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent him who sent us. We do not have to worry about what to say, what to do, because he who sent us will direct us. We are content to be whatever he wishes, knowing he goes there with us. We will be healed and let him just to heal. Well, it's good to make it on time to the show. <laughs> and it's good to have you here on time. It really is. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Good morning. <laughs> oh, Nothing like a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As I said earlier, it's just a pleasure that you ultimately came. Uh, that one starts to worry when... But a person is regular as clockwork, you know, and there's a process. And I said, well, when you didn't call me, and then I tried to call you before the show, I thought, hmm, <laughs> you know, that maybe you were out of phone range or something, so it was going to be okay, but, I was ho- but it made me worry. And so I was overjoyed. It was a blessing from God when you called in. It really was last week. For those of our listeners who don't know, um, Brian was late last week, about 20 minutes late, maybe 25 minutes late, I think 20 closer to it, and so we had a longer program to accommodate that. The music we are listening to behind us right now is called Anile, Be Still Thy Soul. It's part of the spring of the grid. For those of you who are not familiar with that concept, I encourage you to Google it and look at what it was about. Uh, it's a wonderful concept about all of us joining together with our loving energy, which is really part of what the topic is about today, having the courage to lead with love. And in any event, last Sunday, leading with love led to worry uh, because I was concerned that something had happened to Brian and we were going to be um, unknown, no, no to tell us. How would we know? Seriously, friends, I asked you that question. How would you know? I had, uh, yesterday I was in a beauty parlor and someone was talking about, uh, or hair salon, I guess they call them now. In any event, I was there. And um, someone was talking about how her uh, her husband had gone out without his wallet. And that it was really a deliberate decision on his part because he... um, didn't want the weight of it. You know, it was out and about during the day, so it was just too heavy. And I'm thinking, lighten the wallet, buddy. Anyway, so um, she was absolutely compulsed with fear. What was going to happen if something happened to her husband? Whose remark when she said, "But you don't have anything with you," was, "I have my cell phone." And she says, "Cell phones are made up of names, not words like wife." mother (laughs) so how would he how would someone know to call her where would she be on the list for being called and it's interesting kind of question because uh kind of a digression here but where do you think he should be on the list if you're the wife you know um i think that in our society we tend to think that the wife should be the first person to be called 
but in other cultures, probably the wife is called after the father and potentially after the mother and maybe after the brothers. So interesting idea. But anyway, how would someone let you know if there, something happened to them? And I think that's what was going on last week is a concern that something was going on with Brian and we weren't ever going to find out about it. So, Brian, I'm glad you called in late last week. You mean you're glad I called in last week? <laughs> the, yeah, I'm yeah. Glad you called the fact in. that it happened to be late was just the way it happened. <laughs> exactly. Good, good catch. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you called in. Well, who do you think? Who in your family, if you were married, who would you think? Is it is it American for us to think that wives should be called first? I think it may be. As you, as you asked that question, I guess that would be my first response. Yeah, is the wife. Mhm. Mine too. Mind you, it's just kind of logical, and I'm thinking, so people out there who are listening, if you have a different idea, call us at 646-595-3584, the preferred American. Now, what does that word mean? We have a lot of different uh, groups, a lot of different ethnic groups. So the preferred approach for Brian and Mara, (laughs) we would think wife would be first, based on the culture that we grew up in. So let us know. What's your idea? Who should be first to call on your cell phone? And then you have that designated so people know. I told her not to worry because they would call the last person he called. I said that presuming the last person would be her. She said, well, that means they'll call his brothers. (laughs) (laughs) And would it matter? (laughs) In the end, if you think back on this conversation, you're thinking, Ty, would it matter? I would rather get bad news later as opposed to early it's uh, well it's, the- as you're waiting because the person is not showing up then you're, you're getting the, the uh, anxiety of not knowing so would you really rather wait even if it is no. bad news no you're right that's exactly the whole point of last week you're exactly right no i guess i wouldn't i don't want to know i would want to know i would want to know and uh you know, it was interesting when I walked into this uh, salon. And I sat down, and there were these two people there, and they were just, like, crying. And I have to tell you that going to the salon, the selfish thing for me, for one, I may not talk if I don't want to, and it's okay. That's part of my criteria. And number two, uh, I may say I'm I have to. And number two, I see it as a very peaceful, calm place. And so you can imagine walking in, and there are two women sitting there in tears, each one of them individually talking about someone who had died within the last year. And and the the fear associated with that and the sadness. And um, it it was a very leveling, leveling experience. I was glad when I got called away from that. Uh, that that area, because even though I know that every soul passes to the other side and rejoins with love with God, I also know that their absence is felt. That it's just words when you say. That person is still with you. Yes, the person is with you, but you're not able to reach out and touch them if you want. And that that really is almost a lead-in to our story today about do you have the courage to lead with love? Because I wonder um, how often do we not reach out and touch people that we love, just putting it off till tomorrow. And I actually have a personal story I can share in that regard. When I was growing up uh, as a lawyer, I had a man who became my mentor, Jack Chinello. That man I love, and I am—I just love him. He was quite a bit older than me, so I don't love him in the man-woman way. I love him because, he, well, I loved him as a human being, so I guess I did a man-woman, but not in the intimate way of having a sexual relationship. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But so, 
longer is is applicable because the world changed. But um, Jack got one day just unexpectedly went off and ate a raw almond. They call them almonds around here. And he ate this raw almond and ended up getting some sort of gastrointestinal blockage. Yes, a bowel blockage is what they call it. And he had to have some sort of surgery. And he took a drug called Cumidin, which impacted the surgery. And when he, and he was put in the hospital, and it was all happening very, very quickly. And he, um, the first message we got was no one. I was absolutely did at the thought that I couldn't come to visit him. I mean, but I didn't. I respected that desire, and so I didn't go to visit him. And then suddenly, so this was on a Monday. On Thursday, I get or Wednesday, I get the phone call that I can come and visit. And that I should be there at 2 o'clock. Well, when 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I was working on a document called a summary judgment, which would have lawsuit go away. And I thought Jack would be more proud if I won this summary judgment than he would care if I came to the hospital. I think you all know where I'm going with this story. So I stayed and worked on the summary judgment and was working on the summary judgment at at night because my paperwork had to be filed the next day. And I won, but it's small pleasure uh, when my mom came to get me to tell me that Jack had died at 2.30. How often in life do we not reach out to people that we care about and love and and let them know our feelings, let them know how important we are to they are to us? How often do we allow them? It may be important, obviously it was, and in I and Asia, but when all is said and done, and in Australia probably too, when all is said and done. That's that's just how we make our money. And it's the relationships, people that we're a part of that matter. And here I am talking to you about something that happened 17 years ago that still brings tears to my eyes. A very bad choice of not having enough time that day to go and visit Jack. And because I allow my work to get in the way. And that's what today's program is going to be about. Daring to have the courage to lead with love and then remembering to do it. Not putting off until tomorrow that which you can do today. It's like, I would love to have you all rush off and call us at 646-595-3584, but I'd prefer instead that you call your mom and dad or your sisters or your brothers or your best friend or your mentor or that guy who gave you the break. And and you let him know how much that matters to you so that when you leave life, look at the love tapestry that you've created. There are very few threads missing. Brian, what do you think? Well, I I know I've made it a part of my life, a desire to mm, put people before work whenever possible. Obviously, there's times in our lives when we might not be able to if we're on the road or something and out of town, but otherwise, I, I, I personally find those relationships to be more important. And work comes and goes, but the relationships in our lives are the more important thing in my experience. And so I have a tendency to drop work when needed 
and go and be with that one who's needing me or wants to see me or whatever the situation might be. And so I've made that decision long ago with inside myself to make that priority number one in my life. And I know that for me that is worthwhile. That is definitely something that I cherish and enjoy and I don't regret missing out on work to be with people when needed. And, of course, there's a balance because you can't just drop work altogether to be with someone all the time. But when push comes to shove, I guess you could say, I'm going to lean towards being with the other one. Because, I I don't know, for me, I have the frame of mind that work, work will come easy and I don't have to go out there and make it happen. And so when a situation with a family or a friend comes into play, then I'm going to sway I'm going to sway that way. And then when I'm free to go out and do work, then I'll have plenty of work to to do because it won't be it won't be difficult to find or be busy in doing work. And I always find that very freeing and having an experience of a much more fulfilled life because to me those relationships are what give meaning to life and have meaning, um, have life expanded and really you can have a lot of fun in life when that's your experience because if you're just sitting in front of a desk or sitting in front of a a computer screen or whatever for many hours a day, it's, there's no interaction with people. And that's what life is truly all about, is interacting with one another and not interacting with a, a computer all day long. And so I know I've made that priority number one in my life. Yes. I think that's a real important point. It isn't just about... Um, uh, it is not just about sitting in front of the computer and and just become you know I think I can understand the pull of the computer. Uh the pull of the computer is feeling that dynamic of um the energy of our connection, because that's what we are, is we're energy. All around us is energy. And so there's this pull to our nature, there, there is, and, and and what's interesting is it's taking on many of the dynamics of all of the, um, all. I don't even know if I want to use the word dynamics, but it's taking on the characteristics of all the of human flaws, human fears. I mean, they're, we're seeing manipulation and all sorts of things on the internet, but. But the reality is, a friend of mine once said I was going to first publish. I first published the created divinely inspired you. I did it on the internet, and uh, she said this is the first time we will communicate energy level to energy level. And I will tell you, I didn't believe that that was true. And so, there is a value to the computer. Uh, I'm not going to put it down. Uh, the first time I was able to do a reading for someone with whom I had never seen in my life had not touched just blew me away and I know that this is we are at our purest level we are not necessarily operating at our highest selves on the computer but but that I understand the draw to the computer but Brian's right it, it there's got to be more there's got to be touching and and face to face and um, reaching out there truly does I don't think that we, um, I can't count any dollars I've lost by reaching in love. I had a really, really tragic series of events in 1997 that caused me to really step away from the law and to do so very quickly. And um, my oldest daughter was brutally raped on a military base. And then my youngest daughter, uh, and when I just was reeling from that and thinking, what kind of life choices have I made here? Sure, I may be in my first million-dollar year as a lawyer with my law firm, but my law firm was relatively new, so that was all the criteria that everyone was saying, wow, look at this, look at this. You know, I was 
driving my money. I had the fancy car. I had the fancy house. I had the fancy clothes. I had the fancy career. But the reality is my kid, when my kid was just in trouble, the lawyers in my law firm were reacting like I was some sort of business person, not a mom. And that just blew me away. That truly blew me away. And then when um, I was um, – so with that, I had I, – I, one of my clients had said, hey, why don't you come and work with us? Just work with us all the time. And that was something I was considering. And then my um, – <coughs> my youngest daughter, and I want to say the operative word here, was misdiagnosed as having cancer. And uh, as she was graduating from college, and, and, and what was amazing, we were back again to all of the social criteria, all of the judgment of others about what mattered. She was at like one of the top schools in the country, and da-da-da-da-da. And just blew me away. And I stepped away from it all. I did continue to practice. It took years for me not to work 18 hours a day, if not long. Uh, it, it took years for me to start breaking that habit. And then I'll be darned, I'm working with this client. And then suddenly they go bankrupt after just maybe two years into the sale. So the sale of my law firm, we don't really sell law firms, but the sale went, didn't go through, it died uh, after I paid lots of money it happened. And suddenly here I was, no law firm, no money from the law firm, no uh, job with this business. And folks, here I am today, nine years later, and I'm alive. I survived it all. All will be well. And I made the decision when I left my law firm and tried to sell it that I was going to be a better parent. And during this time period, I have done things that may have at times been scary from a financial standpoint so much. I don't need to drive for my money. I don't have to have a fancy car. I know my grandchildren because I lived with them for a year and a half when my daughter uh, was preparing for the army and her husband was in Iraq. I drove them to school every morning, something I didn't do with my own kids. You know, I coached soccer, something I had never done and no one could believe I did do, but I did. I had a little license. And I did all of these things with faith in God and reaching out in love. And God showed me love back. I, I, I am, I am um, flooded with uh, wonderful gifts from God. But in my new enlightened thinking, some things matter less than others. And, and what interests me is I get to define things in life that make me happy and complete and content, and you get to define yours, and there doesn't have to be a judgment in it. But the point for me, friends, is I had the courage to leave it all behind and step out in love. And I may not have become a giant spiritual leader, and certainly my this little radio program, uh, thanks to Brian, we have some ratings, um, this little radio program may touch the lives of one or two or three people. It's such Brian's life enough for him to join me in it. I think it it touches Rike because she listens every Sunday. But if there were no more listeners than that, that would be okay because we would be talking to somebody. But when you lead with love, you square your shoulders. Square your shoulders right now. Feel that. There's such an empowerment in that because suddenly you're in charge of the moment. And then, because you have to square your shoulders, because the first part that goes out from you is your heart. You have to take the chance that your heart will be broken in order to have the wonder of being showered with God's gifts as you define the gifts that you want. So it it takes courage sometimes to give up all those 
human attributes and decide to focus on relations. But to me, there's no greater joy. And I still suffer from overworking. You know, I'm not going to say to you that I don't work too much because I still suffer from that problem. But at least now I have a place for people in my lives. My life. And I'm more treated. I allow a little bit. You know, I probably have multiple lives. Maybe you do too. <laughs> Maybe we all do. But expanding it, you know, it's so important um, for leading out in love. It's it's kind of funny. I said to Brian today, I said, geez, I feel like the guys want us to keep talking about this courage to lead with love thing, and we've done this before. <laughs> and yet I don't think we've talked about any of the things that we just talked about that I just shared. Uh, so I guess it's a whole new topic. Hi, Brian. <laughs> huh. yes. yes, indeed. And I just want to, I just want to uh, touch upon how before we started the show, we were kind of talking about this very subject. And we were talking about how um, relationships, whether they be romantic or uh, parent-child, whatever the relationship being, relationships always cause you to grow. And when you're by yourself, let's say you, you're out, at work, which for the most part you're by yourself, yes, even if you're working for someone, you still have your task that you're working on. And when you're working on it, you're pretty much by yourself, unless you happen to be working with a team of people. And then relationships are required. But most people who are workaholics tend to tend to be someone who might be sitting at a desk punching numbers for for hours a day, or you know, an accountant type person who is working on something and they're kind of doing it by themselves. And there's a lot of times the reason why people do that is because they're running away from the relationships of being around other people because relationships always cause you to open up and expand because like we were talking about earlier, you have to take other people into consideration and you might not always get to do what it is that you want to do when it is that you want to do it. And for some people that is a difficult thing and so they just run from it by filling their time up with activities that um, give them the right to be away. You know, if you're at, if you're at the bar drinking and talking to your beer buddies all day long, well, not too many people are going to put up with that. But if you're out making a buck, which is a necessary function of society, then people have a chance to give you more leeway because you're out there doing good things. But my point here is just the fact that we ch- we try to run from and escape relationships with one another instead of stepping up to the plate, if you will, and leading with love. And I have to ask you, from what you've shared with us, from your two different experiences that you've had, which one is more meaningful to you? The 18-hour day work day or taking time to be with the grandkids and taking them back and forth to school and coaching soccer and whatnot? Oh, absolutely, being with my grandchildren. You know, it it's truly saddens me that I, I, you know, going to law school and all of the other things I was doing when my children were growing up to um, step in between me and them. I don't, I don't think I even realized the depth of that, that barrier. Uh, I'm fortunate they love me. I, I'm fortunate that they do because, oh, it was wonderful. And, I mean, it's interesting because right now I work – uh, I probably I still probably work too much, but I'm working more like a nine or a ten hour a day as opposed to you know uh, the other, and I have more time. But this week, uh, it, th- that's such an interesting question. Um, I want to write something down. The it said something that I may have missed an opportunity to comment on how right you were. Um, that this last week, I my girls and I my daughters, uh, one is 37, one is 34, because the one is 37 will be 38. Yes, my children are old. Uh, uh, We are going on a cruise of the Mediterranean in uh, the first two weeks of October. We'll be back on October 
11th and we'll be uh, leaving on September 30th. So it's it's a good period of time. And I, every time this week when the pressures of work got me down, I would go and do something on the cruise, like make sure they've got the right rooms for us or buy the airplane tickets or things like that. And those gave me such a sense of life. And yet what was amazing is what I'm doing right now is I would cry and and I feel this, thank you, God, taking my girls on a cruise of the Mediterranean and all because my friends, I dare to lead with love. Love is making it possible in my life. Love is giving, manifesting the money in my life to make me be able to do that. And love has given me a beautiful, beautiful place to live in. And a price that is reasonable for me because I don't like to own, because I don't like the responsibilities of ownership. Um, love gives me a good job that helps me do things that I like. Uh, sometimes I just don't feel like I like them because being a lawyer is very adversarial. But love gives me this opportunity. It gives me the opportunity to live in a lovely community. And I wrote it all down, my friends. I wrote it down on a sheet of paper, what I wanted. And every morning I did the um, law of attraction, I, you know, the Hicks theory. I would get up in the morning and I would write it down and I have it in my hand. I'm holding everything that I I said I wanted, that I manifested, that I asked God for. There's nothing wrong. I almost avoid the word asked because there's so much you can't ask God. But I did ask God and I did get it. And I, I have such peace just letting God lead my life and leading with love. I really do. So I haven't lost a penny if it's about money, it's, it, there's no connection between leading with love and having or not having money. And one of the things Brian was talking about was that it's more acceptable to not be there because you're working and making money. And I didn't write it down, but love reminded me. Because, friends, it was not only acceptable, it was expected that everyone would understand. You know, and what, what a price my family paid and what a price I paid. And you don't have to pay that price. You don't have to. You can, can promise you, because now I know it's true, that you can accomplish what you need to accomplish to excel in your job if you start your day inviting love into your office. Put something there. Tomorrow when you go into your office, take something with you and put it in your office that every time you, that, that's in a place you would normally look. Obviously, you're not going to look in the same place every second. For me, I place things uh, to my left it's kind of a feng shui thing, but I pay, place things to my left. Now, in your car, that's going to be a little bit difficult if your car, your office is your car, because you can't. There's not much to place to the left unless there's a little emblem or something, something that reminds you to invite love in. And that something could be simple as a picture of your child. Yes. Yes. Immediately looking at your child is going to bring love in. Yes. Yes, and I think I told you all that be, I have a glass card holder thing, and be, at the very back of it, facing me, is on a mountain in the valley I beheld only God. In hardship I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being I beheld only God. Like a candle I melted. Amidst the sparks of the flames I beheld only God. And I have that there because I want the reminder for me, that when I'm ready to lose my peace and become that egotistic, demanding, I am right, I am righteous lawyer that is in me, that used to drive my life, I see that. 
and it causes me to pause. What are you doing in your life to remind you as you're going about, and I know you drive a lot, Bri, what are you doing to help remind yourself uh, to lead with love? Because there have to be times when people are affecting your patients. Yes. And when I experience that, for me, obviously when you are, what we're talking about here with putting reminders for remembering to lead with love, it can simply be put into the fact that they are grabbing your attention and simply reminding you to lead with love. And so we could put that into words of awareness. And so these things that we can put into our vision that help us become aware that we want to lead with love and if we're not leading with love to come back to leading with love. And so there's a lot of things I do in my life to become aware that I always want to lead with love. And a lot of times, for me, one of my biggest hang-ups has been when I'm driving, oddly enough, since I drive so often. Now, one thing about the driving that I do is long-distance driving between, um, you know, I drive through the desert here in California, which is mostly desert, if you're heading out towards Arizona. And Mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of traffic. So the the driving that I usually get um, gets my nerve, if you will, is when I'm driving in traffic and people are running around and speeding and whatnot. I used to really have this heckle and Jekyll and Hyde type of, you know, Get me, get me behind a wheel and I'm speeding all around and cutting people off and getting upset at people. And so at times that still is my lesson that I need to learn, I guess I could say. And so I'll catch myself doing that and come back into my peace. So to me, leading with love is the same as being in your peace. Yeah. And so regardless of if you are looking at a picture of your child or your wife or husband or a loved one that you love dearly. I also like to add into the fact that just being at peace and slowing down and taking a few deep breaths is just as important and has the same effect, if you will, as far as leading in love goes. So what I do is, for the most part, when I'm driving, I have tapes that are talking about leading with love, if you will, and keeping my attention on what matters in life. And the fact that this guy's speeding around me right now and cutting people off is an insignificant situation happening in this moment. And why do I need to allow myself to be pulled into that when two seconds from now he's going to be out of my awareness and not bugging me anymore? So why do I have to choose to be pulled in this direction that isn't very comfortable and not very desirable, and as, as soon as I become aware of that, I let that go and come back into my center, come back into my place of peace, and then from there I'm leading with love no matter what it is I'm doing. And so that's kind of my focus of attention that I give in my daily life in many situations to pull myself into leading with love. And then I realize that as I do that more and more, I can be able to point out to others when they're not leading with love and not point out like I'm some greater person, greater than now, and look at you and I'm over here, ha, 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 but rather just a simple question. Why are you so upset? Mm-hmm. And when you ask that, just like I said it, why are you so upset? Not, why are you so upset? Mm-hmm. That can pull the attention of that one and say, oh, wait a minute, I am upset. And, have, and help them to look at it and see it. And so that's what leading with love is, is when you're in that place of love, you radiate it out from you in everything that you do, and you start displaying it more and more, and it becomes, you could say, easier to see from everyone else around you. And so, as I was mentioning earlier about me making the commitment or having the desire to have that be my first, experience or the experience that I have as often as I can. It expands in my experience 
and becomes a much more meaningful life in every area of my life. Yes, yes. And when you were talking, there were a couple of points that uh, I wanted to share. One was I, I'll start at the back and move in, and, and that was that I so respect what you're saying about, you know, why are you so upset? How many times, my friends, do we not start with the question? But when you're talking about someone else's emotional condition or anything about that person, if you don't start with a question, you're starting with a presumption or maybe an assumption. Because, you know, they can always come back. And, and in the very second that you're asking that question, Brian, why are you so upset? The person could rethink and say, well, why am I so upset? And decide, I'm not really upset, I'm just looking that way. So rather than molding them in and challenging them to a person to remain as they are, give them the opportunity to define how they are. So I'm learning to ask more questions just generally rather than assuming that I know all the facts, because I don't. I don't. Sometimes you do have facts, and sometimes you need to use those facts. But I don't. So rather than leading with love also means leading to the extent you can. And remember, folks, these are not perfect plans. I'm sure there are times Brian still gets mad when someone cuts him off. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all do. And, and yet that's not the norm. He's made a decision now for himself. I'm not going to do that. And so when he does, he goes, he knows where his peace is. He goes, whoops, you know, I don't want that. He invites his peace back in and lets that go. And he thinks in his mind, you know, it's so good I don't have to be perfect. My friends, that's one of the challenges that troubles me about organized religion is they set up perfect standards set by some sort of man-made idea about what perfection is. They're standards that none of us can meet unless we're together with God in the unity. And so we always feel like we're failures. It's nagging at the back of our spine all the time. Gee, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. You know, just forgive yourself. You don't have to be perfect. And, you know, uh, with, with that in mind, you, you can then you operate with the idea that, okay, I'm just moving along, and I'm not going to have presumptions about how other people are feeling or thinking. I'm going to let them tell me. That way you don't make an ass out of you and me when you assume. You, you, you find out where they come from, and many times people don't even know what they are projecting. The other thing is when I lived in Los Angeles, and yes, I'm an L.A. kid too, L.A. County kid. I know you live over in San Bernardino County, but um, what I did was I, uh, or maybe Ontario County. Is Ontario County? No, I live in San Bernardino County, but I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. All right. Well, growing up in Los Angeles, there's terrible traffic all the time. It wasn't until I was an adult (laughs) that I learned this technique, and it was during this time after crises when I was working for the company because they moved me down south. And what I learned was I would go to places, and every place I went, I would onto the freeway and stop. And there are so many people it's a tight area that such congestion, the surface streets are just as crowded. And what I learned to do when I was stuck was I sent prayers. And let me just saying it to you right now. It feels good. It's a nice thing to do. It's a way of leading love is to send prayers. I send prayer. I send prayer to X, and I send a prayer to Y. I send a prayer to that guy up there in the limo. I send a prayer to this guy over here in the um, Nissan. It wasn't. It was Datsun S110. That's an old old car, so that gives you the idea. And and just kind of sending prayers around and allowing my mind to move away from myself. Just opening the door and allowing my mind to move away from myself and embrace the moment and use the moment as a river of love with the love flowing from me and out, squaring my shoulders, letting my heart be exposed and just leading with love. And and that really is, is a good car technique. 
And, you know, my friends, a good technique when people are in your office is looking them in the eye. Um, shaking hands with them as they leave. You're worried about germs, get some pure out. That's why people, I think, used to wear gloves is because they didn't want to, they, no one touched flesh to flesh, so they weren't spreading all this stuff. Get some Purell, but shake hands with people. Open yourself up for love. And, you know, Bri, we, we've really had kind of a long thing going here. We only have 14 minutes left. And I, really, I would like to do a centering. Um, maybe you'd like to make a comment, and then I'll put on some music, and we can do a centering here. Sure. I think the kind of a summary of what it is we've been talking about is just opening ourselves up more to the human aspects of life and the relationships of life. And in truth, we have relationships with everything. We even have a relationship with our car, with the television. We, and to clarify this and have it make more sense, is you feel something towards everything in your life. You feel a way towards your home. You feel a way towards your television. You feel a way towards your car. And a lot of these feelings and experiences can be brought about by judgment. But I'm not focusing on that aspect at the moment. But rather just the fact that you either like something in your life or you don't like something in your life. And this is a form of relationship. And so as we just become aware that everything in our life, to some extent or another, has meaning for us, whether that meaning is a grand meaning, as a child would be, or a not-so-grand meaning as maybe a trash can, just to throw out the contrast. We, to some level or another, have, there is meaning to everything to some level or another in our lives. And as we just become aware of what things mean to us, spending time with that thing and letting the awareness of the meaning that it has for us just be with us for a moment so that we can be aware of its meaning to us. For instance, all of our kids and our, and our family to whatever extent we have family, means something to us. But how aware or how much do we think and realize of this meaning that it has for us? And so as we spend time with someone on our mind or something on our mind, for just a moment, not judging it, but just being with it and just observing it, we could say that whatever meaning it has for us will first be clarified within us and then can be expanded as we dwell in the awareness of the meaning that it has for us. Another way to say this is a lot of times in our lives we take things for granted because we're not giving it its due in our appreciation for it. And so now as we go into this meditation, let's spend some time appreciating things in our lives, appreciating the people in our lives, appreciating the possessions we have in our lives. Just not spending too much time on any one thing, but rather letting our minds slowly shift from one thing to another, giving a moment of gratitude of appreciation and if you do find yourself spending a little bit more time on one thing don't worry about it go ahead and just remain appreciative of it and even if you spend the whole meditation just giving you affection and appreciation towards one thing or one person go right ahead in any way that you do this your level of gratitude and appreciation is going to raise and the aspect of life 
that matters most is appreciation. And appreciation can also be said in another form, which is affection. Whenever you are aware of something in your life, you can say you're being affectionate towards it. And I don't mean to use that word in a sexual way or a romantic way. But whenever you're giving your attention to something, that is an affectionate thing because you're adding its presence into your awareness. And you could say the two are, coming com are becoming combined. And so let's spend this meditation with affection towards things that have meaning in our lives. So close your eyes and begin to breathe into the nose and out of the nose. Giving your attention, giving your affection to your breath. Feeling the air passing through your nostrils as you take a deep breath in and as you release it. And now as you spend the next few deep breaths, just abiding with your breath, feeling your relationship with your breath, becoming more appreciative of it as you give it more of your attention. And oddly enough, you might not have thought of it this way, but whatever you're giving your attention to, whether you like it or not, you are giving it a sign of gratitude. Because whenever you are aware of something, it enters your awareness and gets a part of your awareness, if you will. Gets a part of you in that moment. And so when we are thinking of something that we don't particularly enjoy, we can simply thank it for the contrast of knowing what it is that we don't particularly want in our lives. And we can then take our attention and move it to some other place where we wish to consciously share our gratitude, appreciation, and affection. And as we do this more and more in our lives, we will begin to notice that the things that we find desirable will start showing up more and more as we keep our attention on the things that are desirable to us. And it might sound like I'm just trying to share an idea or concept of avoidance, avoiding that which you do not want. And I'm not particularly meaning to convey that or say that that is what it takes. But rather, when we just simply notice what it is that is not desirable to us, taking in that information, but not dwelling upon it as if somehow we need to change it by getting rid of it or replacing it or transforming it or whatever, but rather recognizing it, saying, okay, I see it, that's fine, but that's not what I want to expand in my experience. And again, I tell you, wherever you give your attention, Wherever you give your affection, that thing expands in your awareness and in your experience. So as you move through in your meditation, just letting things come into your mind at random, observing it, whether it is affection for you in a positive way or not just becoming observant of it, sending it out, your love, regardless of its experience in your mind, and then moving on to another item. As we 
go through this checklist, if you like, in your mind of things in your life. You can start to have the awareness of the relationship that it has in your life come to the forefront. And as you do this, I could say that you are learning yourself more, that you're becoming aware of yourself more. Because in every relationship in your life, no matter how fantastic the relationship, you are key number one, I could say. You are the prime person in this relationship. And I don't mean to say that in an egotistic way. But rather, you are the one deciding what this relationship means to you. So you are always the focus of the attention. And then you say how much this person or this thing means to you in respect to that. And as you love yourself more, you can love another more. But if you don't know yourself, then it becomes difficult to love yourself. And so as you learn yourself more by just doing this technique of having things enter your awareness, seeing what they mean to you, so that you can know every nuance of yourself. Then you expand your own awareness and love for yourself. And that can be extended to everything in your life as you give everything in your life more attention. And now, I want you to bring your attention back to your breath. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Just becoming aware of your breath. Appreciating your breath. <coughs> and having the realization that your breath is an essential part of life and it is always there for you. And as you abide with it, recognize it, and show your appreciation for it by spending time with it consciously, your level of peace, your level of gratitude expands. And now with that final thought, I want you to slowly open your eyes and look all around you. And as you start to look around, you might start to notice things looking a little bit different to you, feeling a little bit different to you. And even with your eyes open, you can do the same technique that we did in the meditation. I'm just looking around noticing and appreciating those things around you for whatever they mean to you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. We've been listening to Solar Winds Interstellar, which is a lovely piece. Um, you can get it at Meditation Music. You can download it for free. Uh, you know, as you're thinking about the uh, passage uh, that Brian created today for you and you're using it in your mind over the w next week, I encourage you all to remember that you only have control over you. So in a relationship, the only part of it you have control over is yourself. And then you ask, I encourage you to ask yourself, am I leading with love? And when you're talking to people, are you about to say something positive or negative? And that will cause you to need to slow down just a little bit, just a little bit and think before you speak. I send you best wishes this week. Uh, talk to you on Friday. We're going to do passage two, Blame Does Not Resolve Problems, on uh, Friday morning at 6 o'clock. Brian has a show next week on Saturday. Uh, namaste, Brian. Thank you, listeners. And spend this week giving your attention 
and affection to everything in your life so that you can learn yourself on a grander scale. And with that, thank you all for coming. See you next week. Namaste. Namaste. Talk to you later, Bri. Take care. Thank you.